Chicago, this is Around Comics, the comic culture podcast where we talk about everything in and around the world of comics and comics culture. I'm your host, Mr. Christopher Neesman, and I am joined, as always, by my partner in crime, Mr. Brian Salazar. How you doing, bud? Hello. What is going on? This is more podcasting than we've done in like five years in a week. Yes, that is that is a true statement. I am and I'm not even sick of you yet. (laughs) <laughs> my, my 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 wife marta um today no nah, she's not gonna get on camera she's like no uh she she was like you're doing it again again this is like three times this week um but that's okay i'm i'm glad it's a it's a great way to to kind of get through all this this craziness and uh uh the really nice thing is that we've been able to uh to hook up with some really good friends including uh, one of our oldest uh, and nearest and dearest uh, friends, just period, but also friends of the show. Mm-hmm. I think one of the one of the first guests that we got, certainly the first creator that ever gave us feedback way back when, whenever we first started, um, our wonderful friend, uh, uh, writer, artist, um, Renaissance man. He is a a, a, a a haberdasher to the stars, right, Sal? Are you ready? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yes. In honor of that. We, nice. We, uh, we had to oh. Get ready. There Damn it. Go, I got bud. this stupid headset on. What a bad choice on my part. <laughs> it's uh, um, our, our good friend, Mr. Andy Parks. Andy, how you doing? Hello, gentlemen. I'm good. Yeah, Thanks for having me. This is one of my favorites. What's what that? is that thing? Uh, it's a Churchill... Um, nice. Uh, gray felt, uh, seven and a quarter. I think you told me one, one time that if, if your head was seven and a quarter, oh, the hats you would own. Yeah, that would be trouble. <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I'm going back to the Bucks hat, but that was, that was our little tribute to, uh, one of the, uh, one of the best hat men. What is it? Is that world. cotton or felt you had on there, Sal? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> is that a target hat no, or a real a, hat? That's what I'm asking. It's a real hat. It's a Stetson. Okay. Oh, it's, there we go. Uh, Good. That's felt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's my one, you know, real. <clears throat> I'm not much of a hat guy. I got yeah. this beautiful quaff. Right. Well, you don't want to cover that up. Yeah. Or no. Crime against nature. Whenever you're like Andy and I, th- th- that th- those hats are a defense mechanism to keep yeah. the wind off you. <laughs> and you, there's no ozone. You can't be out in this bare no. air anymore. No. You'll no, you'll bent. burn. Mr. Parks, um, how are you doing, man? How is uh, how's life in isolation going for you? Even though we we talked, uh, we had Tony Moore on earlier this week, and and it came up again that that all of the comic book creators that we know, like this is just like another day for them. They're used to having to you know work in their basement or or whatever, and are you know actually kind of have gotten so used and prefer working from home and 
all of that yeah. good stuff. Be, that's true, but I'm used to having an empty house nine months out of the year. So it's a little different. You know, it's easy to get distracted when there's right now there's two other people in the house because my daughter is off at college. She didn't come home because she works in the housing department there. So she's there. But still, there's people here all the time. And, you know, I, I, every now and then I'm like, son of a. I guess they can't go out in the yard for a while. So this is this is reality. But uh, work, you know, it's the same. I don't. I have a gig right now, but it's kind of slowed down, But although I'm told it's still live. Um, so I've been working on that a little bit, and I've been trying to get ready, uh, making my Patreon more viable so that I can, you know, start counting the greenbacks when extraction hits the air here later this month. Very excited. And we'll, <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll, we'll, I guess we can probably just jump right into that. You have um, uh, some kind of, you know, exciting things going on. This has been... Gosh, this has been brewing for how long? When did you start work? This is originally a graphic novel that you did called Chia Dad, right? Right. And I think I did the math the other day. I believe I went to L.A. to talk to the Russo brothers about the plot and the structure uh, 12 years ago. Oh, my gosh. From so there, they weren't even a... like a glimmer in the Avengers eye at that point, No, right? they were... They had directed a couple features. They did this. Uh, the thing that broke them in was Welcome to Collinwood. And mm. that's a cool little small crime thing. It does have George Clooney in it, so it's not that small. But um, <laughs> And then they did uh, You, Me, and Dupree, which I think they had mixed feelings about. But when I met them, they were working in TV, and they were trying to get back into features, and they had this idea um, for this crime story set in a real place in South America. They went to Oni, and Oni came to me, and so we hooked up. And the idea was we'd bash it out together and then create a graphic novel, and then they would go on and create a screenplay and kind of develop it at the same time. So, yeah, it was 12 years ago that Paramount optioned it and then flew me to L.A. so I could get in a room with the Russo brothers and kind of bash out the main story points for a couple of days. Then it took, I don't know, a year or so for me to write it, maybe less. Then it took a long time. We couldn't find an artist, and yeah, maybe four years until it was actually published, maybe five. And then after that, just years of it's about to be made, and then it's not going to be made, and then it's about to be made again, <laughs> and then it's not going to be made, and then somebody else wants it, but Paramount will give it up, and then it just on and on and on. But that's Hollywood. I mean, this is what happens. It gets option, and twelve years later, if you're very very lucky, something hits the air. Sure. Sure. Which, uh, speaking of hitting the air, uh, the, the this is going to be uh, Netflix original, and yeah. it premieres. What's the what's the premiere date on it? April twenty fourth. April twenty fourth, and they got some kind of no name guy for the lead. Yeah, he's been in a couple things. Some muscle bound guy. <laughs> yeah, couldn't even couldn't clown? even get an American for this. No. <laughs> get an Australian. Right. They got Mr. Yep. Mr. Thor, Chris Hemsworth, and uh, yep. he's when I first saw pictures of him, he looked a little leaner to me, but in the trailer, mm -hmm. he does. Look, he still looks pretty damn buff. So, yeah, he's still Chris. Yeah, that's cool, man. Are you have you have you seen it yet? I have not. Um, Parker, I read the screenplay uh, long, Parker's long, long ago. Thor fan. <laughs> I think when I read the screenplay, it was so long ago that it was still set in South America. So. 
after that, I was like, you know, I'll just wait and see it. It, it doesn't, I don't need to read it and just get my hopes up and all that. So I'll be surprised about a lot of things like you guys will be. Okay. I'm looking forward to it. That what? Hi, Sal. So <laughs> Sal's producing. <laughs> he looks very, got... he's like very intense there staring at something. I have like three different screens going at the same time. I'm making, trying to make sure that everything is, we've done like two of these live streams and I've fucked up both of them at this point. So I'm really hoping. <laughs> that doesn't sound like you. No, <laughs> I'm really hoping this one works out better, but um, yeah, forgive me if I'm not a hundred percent engaged in what was going on uh, no problem. with the show, but this has got to be pretty awesome. I mean, to have something you know that you wrote and and developed with these guys now and especially you know they went on obviously with huge success with the avengers and yeah then, right um i mean yeah the original plan imagine. was that they would direct this it would be their here we are back making features and of course now they're way too big to direct this so they produced <laughs> it they wrote it long ago who is directing it a guy named sam hargrave who started his career in Hollywood, I believe, uh, on the first Captain America movie they made, which was, did they make the second one? Um, yeah, I believe so. Winter so he was Chris's stunt double, I believe, on that movie. Oh, And then he went on to be like a stunt director, and then they started giving him uh, directing bits. I think he helped out in the action sequences on Atomic Blonde. Oh, cool! And I think that's still another another Netflix. another comic movie. Yeah, right. Um, well, these are kind of connected because they all sprung out of, in one way or another, Oni Press's Hollywood division, um, which had both of these properties at one point or another. And then they liked okay. what he did on Atomic Blonde enough that they said, "I think you're ready for a feature." So he made this thing. I think that's the second uh, director. I can't remember the other, just this week I was reading a story about a, another director of an action movie. Oh, what was it? But he was a stuntman. He was somebody's stuntman and then yeah. eventually uh, went on to, that's kind of cool, you know, considering yeah. uh, you'd think a lot of those guys, the only thing I know about stuntmen is from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was I was waiting for it. You guys are too <laughs> young to have seen the Burt Reynolds movie back in the day. Oh, no. What's it called? Uh Hooper. Hooper? Is that right? Oh, yeah. I think that was it. Yeah. I oh, yeah. love that movie. With um, So Andy, you're Terry you're Bradshaw. you're a you're a big film buff like us, and we've been waxing poetic about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood a couple times on the show. Yeah. Just can't can't talk about it enough. And I'm just gonna assume that you love it as much as we did. I do, and it's a little surprising in my case because he usually makes me mad. Um <laughs> I okay. really I really disliked uh, oh, the Hateful Eight. Um, really? I like, in, I like like 80% of Inglorious Bastards, and then 20% of it, I just... He, he feels like he's waving his dick in my face. I want him to just stop showing off and make a film. And he stayed out of his own way, I thought, completely through Once Upon a Time. I really loved it. Yeah. Yeah. We, it's, we, both, we both adore that. Even though um, one that, uh, that you've talked about that you really enjoy, which... I have not seen yet. It's it's been on the list. Uh, is 1917. It's probably yeah. I just week. saw it a second time. It was a really strong year, man. I Parasite, 
Little Women, 1917, Once Upon a Time. Shit, that I mean, The Irishman is like at the bottom of that list, and The Irishman is damn good. Yeah. I love Knives Out. I thought oh, I awesome. like that too. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, yeah, it, it's not, it's not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but I, yeah. it was one that the wife and I absolutely love seeing at the movie theater. So if you're a, if you're a Agatha Christie fan, it felt very Christie esque. Okay. I guess it's a semi-scandalous to say in comic book or in nerd circles, but I think that guy makes all good movies. You're supposed to be outraged by a Star Wars movie, right? I guess. <laughs> oh, that's I right. I was not. I yeah. like it. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, can't say I'm a fan, but actually that's not true. I like his other movies. His Star Wars yeah. movie was trash, but... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> I've just Actually, decided they, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna I watch Clone that, Wars they, and and Rebels. That's all the Star Wars I need right now. <laughs> I thought this they really did him an injustice because he is a great director, and they should have given him like a standalone Star Wars, you know, world to work with. Yeah, that probably would have been something. more fun. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little um, odd though, apparently, because I, I guess nobody liked Solo, and I thought it was really good. I thought Solo liked, Solo was great. Yeah. I liked it too. I like Solo. I liked Rogue One. I liked all of the standalones more than the than the yeah. last trilogy, which was was fine. It's yeah, it's it's okay. I did. Yeah, JJ I, never makes me feel anything. I don't know why. I, yeah, even back to the new Star Trek movies, like they blew up Spock's planet in the first one, and I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> That's a bummer. <laughs> have you have you watched any of the any of the new Star Trek stuff on the CBS All Access? Yeah, so I finished season one of Discovery. I liked it quite a bit, and then I somehow got bogged down in season two. I don't know why. And then the wife and I just watched our first Picard, and we really dug that. So that'll be it's cool good. to watch. Got... I'm excited to get to all the, if you call them cameos, but all the old people showing up. I'm really looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, it's I've got about four episodes of Picard left, but the second season of Discovery I liked as well as the first season. So cool. yeah, it's nice. I and mean, we we talked uh, to Tony uh, about this on what was it Tuesday that what a what a neat time it is that there's so many streaming and online yeah. options that I mean it, you, you can't keep up with all of it. Right. I mean, you really can't. And there's something out there for for everyone. And probably the, the biggest the the biggest problem with it is that there's so much good TV and and uh, original movies that are out there that you just there's not enough hours in the day. Right. Even even now. Right. Yeah. Right. You would think it would be a great time to have a movie hitting Netflix. And I get. I mean, a lot of probably more people are going to see it, but. It doesn't. So this is complicated. I hope people don't mind hearing about my finances. It may be boring as hell. I already got paid what I'm going to get paid for that. Mm-hmm. So it's not like if a hundred, you know, it doesn't help me out if more people see it than would have before. the The drag of it is that the way that I could have generated some extra interest and revenue out of this is going to cons and selling prints and selling books and and no, I can't. Uh, I can't sure. do that. So that's kind of a drag yeah. i am gonna set up um i'm doing a hemsworth print now from the movie and i do have some copies of the book so on my website when it comes out 
I will be able to sell prints and books a little bit at least, but it's a drag not to be able to get out and meet people in person who've seen it. And, you know, so it goes. Yeah. I mean, you, you, uh, we've run into you at multiple conventions and I mean, this is convention season right now and it's just wiped out. It's C2E2 is lucky to have happened when it did. And I even, yeah, and I even heard at, from folks that were there that you know, they were already kind of starting to freak out a little bit, and I don't know yeah. if it really affected uh, attendance that much. It probably probably had to at that point because I think it was what a week or two later we're canceling yeah. the NBA and baseball. it was in the air, pun not intended, enough that I remember their creators saying they wouldn't be signing or shaking or you know anything. Mm-hmm. So at least it was out there kind of in people's minds already. It seems yeah. crazy that at one point we were like a week before Planet Comic Con, we were all like, is it going to happen or not? And we're like, what? The, that was never, there was never any chance of that. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, I, I, the, our curling season wrapped up abruptly and I had one end of like late season tournament bond spiel at the end of April, I was like, oh, this might be cleared up by the end of April. And I was like, what was I even thinking? <laughs> yeah, it's right. like, not even, not even right. close. So that's, um, I tell you, you I that... have spent, I have spent some real time being thankful that my chiefs got their rings. <laughs> Cause that would have been after 50 years of waiting, like, I can't play Super Bowl. Sorry, guys. Would have been just really, really unfair. <laughs> These people right here are not yeah. happy. Yeah, the yeah. Bucks fans, Bucks fans are. It's not. It's not that they're the team was going to break up, but Milwaukee was starting. I've 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 been lucky enough to have moved and lived in several different cities that have had championship teams while I lived there, and there's a feeling that you start to get as the season goes on, where it's like. Mm-hmm. You know, they're good. And then it's like, oh, they're really good. And then the, they can do this. And then the, this is ours. And Milwaukee was starting to have that feeling of, it's like, this is, this is the team. This is the year. There's, there's no one else that is comparable to this team. And people are bummed right now. It's a drag. Yeah. So, but yes, congratulations on your Chiefs. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. I was thinking about that. Obviously, you know, you're the biggest Chiefs fan I think I know. And I was wondering how much additional joy you got out of the fact that the Bears didn't draft Patrick Mahomes and look like complete assholes. Not only did they not draft him, they (laughs) traded up to not draft him. (laughs) It's terrible. Thanks. And my heart breaks because I've been there. I mean, you know. We drafted Todd Blackledge. We, you know, all that stuff. Say, so, and I have a lot of Bears fans friends. It, I, I, I feel for them. I'm glad they didn't get the guy though. I'm glad we got him. But it is, it's heartbreaking. Did you guys see the social media meme today about Trubisky? No. <laughs> there was no. A, allegedly a sign in a store that said, "Look, in this store, you must stay ten feet away from other people. If you don't know how far that is, picture a wide open receiver for the Bears." And now picture where Trubisky's going to throw the ball. That's 10 feet. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah probably a little accurate. 
or inaccurate <laughs> as it would be. Uh, yeah, it's and so he's and, got skills. And, he just doesn't have Patrick's brain. He can't. Patrick yeah. is that guy who can read the three shifts in the defense and put it where he needs to go. It's a pretty rare thing. Yeah, I know. And now I live behind the cheddar curtain, so yeah, right. I've got to I've got to deal with it with these Packer fans right. daily, man. It's, I kind of had to no root for them, but now I'm off the hook. Mike McCarthy went to Baker here where we live and where my wife teaches, and he's been very generous, you know, with donations. So now I, I, God, the thought of rooting for the Cowboys is really painful, but I guess I have to at least a little bit. <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, 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 Chiefs, good. You got your you got your Royals ring in the bag, and they're yeah, they're yeah. back to being the the doormat of the the AL Central now. Yeah. So, um, so wife has returned to, to normal there, but uh, right. And this year we we're like, White could Sox we fan. maybe win more? Maybe not <laughs> lose a hundred. You know, maybe not not break five hundred, but you know, have a little more fun. So, yeah, it's a drag. And you know what really hurts? One of the most fun players to watch in baseball, I think, our catcher, is last year lost his whole season to an injury, and now he's not getting to play either. It's a drag. Yeah, Perez? Yeah, Salvador. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's very good. He's just a joy. He's always got a smile. He's a great player. He's fun to watch. Yeah, but hopefully, hopefully we've got some baseball in front of us. I know uh, Sal and I have talked about it. This is the year the White Sox. We're gonna yeah. make a move. This <laughs> is the year, man. I did. I never agreed to that. I I never. <laughs> I said they're gonna hit the hell out of the ball, and they still don't have enough pitching. Right. Never. So Sal, I'm I'm staring at it. Not that I don't look at your beautiful face, but. Who drew that little Spider-Man head behind you? Oh, that. Oh, go get that. That's, yeah, go, go uh, get that. It's awesome. It's yeah. It's more than a drawing. Really? It's a. It's a. Yeah. I did this. This is an illustration that I did, and. Um, oh crap! I remember all, seeing that. Oh, it's so cool. Yes. But this one, I had stand stand sign. I was lucky. Oh my god. Uh, Oh, that's so cool. Where's the signature? Yeah, there. There it is. We got yeah, it. You, oh, yeah, go, go back. Go uh, back. Uh, uh, no, other, other way. way. Other way. Other way. I'm, yeah, nice. there you go. It's under my hand. Yeah. Yeah, I got. I was lucky Beautiful. enough to get Stan. He really liked it. And, uh, yeah, so that – I don't have any more prints. I, I had made that and sold a bunch of them. People seem to really like that one. So that was – that's the only – it's the only one I got left. Very cool. Where did yeah, you meet uh, Stan? Uh, it was kind of a fluke thing. I was at, um, I was set up at wizard world. This was, I don't know, however many years ago. And he was there and, you know, doing signings and everything. And I was like, eh, I should get him to sign it. And I was selling a lot of these prints, but I was like, eh, it's like 150 bucks or something to get his signature. And I was just <laughs> like, eh, I don't know. So I'm like, ah, I, who knows how long he's going to live? Not, right. you know knowing but he was he's in his 90s at that point i think so yeah i go up to the booth to buy a ticket and i'm standing in line and i get to the front of the line and there's a girl that's selling the tickets that i had known 
from the very first days of Around Comics. And she was working this ticket booth. And she's like, hey, what's going on? And she and she was, you know, really happy to see me and everything. And I was telling her, oh, I was looking to get this signed by Stan. She's like, oh, I've seen a bunch of these come through today. And then I told her I did. Oh, cool. so she was, and so she's like, come on. And she just comes from behind the table. She grabs my hand and she walks me to the front of the very long line. <laughs> and she's like, Stan, this is my friend, Brian. I'd really like you to meet him and he'd like you to sign this. And, and I was so, I mean, I've, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in comics and there's only been a couple that have ever made me starstruck. And, you know, it was Stan and I was standing there and he's just like, this is so nice. This is great. You should send this to Marvel. I remember it. You know, he said that, and I I don't even know if I said anything. I didn't get a picture of him. I just stood right. there and was like shaking my head and just going, you know, I can't believe he's holding something that I made right. of Spider Man. You and, did it right uh, in your paralysis. You don't want to be a schnurrer, you know. Take your yeah. free autograph and move on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, but the downside was. Like the next year I was set up again and my daughter was with me and from all the Marvel movies, she became a very big Stan Lee fan. She, she mm. never really read comics or anything a little bit, but I've always taken her to conventions since she was really little and she loved all the Marvel movies. We've always gone to the Marvel movies and she became a Stan Lee fan and she wanted to meet Stan. And I'm like, ah, you don't, you know, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to pay 150 bucks to go, you know, I, I'm sitting here thinking she's like, 14 and it doesn't really mean that much whatever well then he stopped going to conventions like that year because he his yeah. health kind of got bad and and uh, and she she never let me kind of forget oh, yeah. <laughs> and then so then when he died i actually called her she was at school and i called her and she she actually cried she uh she was pretty upset when when stan yeah. passed so he still had I that kind of a sad. I never, magic. I guess I shook his hand once, but never really had a conversation. But my last memory of him was kind of sad. It was this uh, horrible convention in Dallas. This kind of, it was a New Year's Eve convention, the kind where like the promoter disappears on Sunday morning, so they have to pay anybody, and they declare oh, bankruptcy God. and all this shit. Oh, geez. But so I got to observe <laughs> because I had, I was maybe going to try to get Stan to sign something. And my handler, I have an agent who books me at cons every now and then, not very often, but she would book me for this one. And she got me a free stand autograph so I could get something signed for my son. And that never happened because Stan's people got a got wind of what was coming. And they started, I just saw this poor old guy being pulled in and out from behind the curtain, you know, like, wait, go out and sign that one because that ticket has already been paid. But now come back. Don't sign that other one. That. And just watch him being kind of jerked around by people yeah. who were motivated by the cash that was being generated. It was kind of a sad last memory of him for me, but yeah, yeah. similar. I mean... Yeah, similar. I think it was New York where I maybe met him, and uh, Ron Richards was was kind enough to kind of pull some strings to get Jason Wood and I to get into a back room to to meet him, which was which was neat. But yeah, you definitely had that feeling of like his people around him and they were yeah. there to get him from point a to point b and as may and make as much dough as right. as possible uh, it's like throwing sinatra out on this stage after he couldn't remember the lyrics you know like 
hey frank we got to generate some more revenue here man well now i feel really i mean it's it I, <laughs> I said no you were fine like, i'm sure you were fine <laughs> no it was i mean it was like he was still stan you know he was still that right. guy and and no and i think the thing i'm talking about was a couple years later perhaps and yeah, yeah. It's weird. No, it's well, like some people those actually become their own out. little industry. Yeah, you know, there's yeah, I've gotten stuff to, because out. this friend of mine books me at shows every now and then. So, and I want to hang out with her after the con, so I end up handing, hanging out with her friends who are the other, you know, convention booker people. It's really a amazing little subculture. I feel there might be a less violent, you know, Tiger King docu series. <laughs> that world because it's it's really quite a thing watching how these yeah. people kind of rotate around the celebrities they handle and it, it's quite a little world and then the jockeying that goes on where these guys who in any other context would not be the center of attention but they happen to have created a comic-con you know 10 years ago that's become kind of a thing and uh yeah, now they get all the love from all these handlers, and sla- it's 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 quite a world. It's a weird subculture, and I and I've had conversations with you about the original art world, which oh, is yeah. a subculture of the subculture. Yeah. And I mean, that's that that has changed. Even in you know, gosh, we started doing this back in '06, and and I was. I was just kind of starting to buy some original art at the time. And even in that almost 15 years, it's amazing how much it's changed. And I'll talk to people like you and, and I talked to Will, Will Pfeiffer who used to go to the old wizard Chicago show. And he remembers the days when you could stroll into a wizard show and buy a Kirby page for like a hundred bucks, you know, or $200, you know, and that was, you know, 20, 25 years ago. And that whole original art world has, it's, it is price prohibitive for, for me, you -hmm. know, it's, there's still pages that I'll get. And I think that, you know, you had been collecting for, for so long, you have some, some wonderful pieces that I was lucky enough to, to see in person. Yeah. But it's, I can't really buy stuff I love anymore. Even, you know, I used to be able to scoop up Frank Robbins, dailies for 30 bucks a pop that's all gone um and then i thought oh i found like you know my inking hero the guy i wanted to be was dick giordano i can never be that good but that's kind of who i modeled myself (laughs) after and he was so prolific in the 70s he was inking everything every other cover dc put out had his inking on it and and i found uh there's been some pages of him with uh irv novick on Batman from that era. And I thought, cool, these oh, wow. are really nice. And I can get Giordano in his prime and started bidding on some of those. And all of a sudden they were going for like 500 bucks. I'm like, what the, the hell is going on around here? Yeah. 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 I just lost, I was just bidding on, you remember for a while DC had half pages. Um, there'd be an ad on the bottom half of the page. Yeah. There'd be a little thing. Story continued after the next page or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I put a three hundred dollar bid in on one of those Superman or sorry, Batman Irv Novik Dick Giordano pages. It was a half freaking page. And I didn't win. So. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? Yeah, I it, mean the bright side, the stuff I owned, 
uh, some of it has gone through the roof on the dark side. I really can't afford to buy any more. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but it's, uh, um, I, what, probably my, my favorite that there's two pages of, of yours. Do I, do you mind if I, if I mention what they are? No, it's fine. I usually, I put stuff online often. It's not a secret. Yeah. It's, um, you have, Just don't publish a, my address, uh, you know, afterwards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, you have a Jose Luis Garcia Lopez uh, Aquaman character sheet from the style guides. Which, yeah. From the style guides that he used to do, that is amazing. And you have uh, a Mazzucchelli page from um, uh, Born Again. One of the most memorable pages. Yeah, when people see yeah. that one, they go, "Oh shit, you have that one." Yeah, it's. You, I you use tell it as them, Chris. My... Tell them, yeah, tell them what Cap says on that it, page. I'll 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 use it as my my uh, uh, profile pic on Facebook every once in a while, and it's the I, I'm I'm loyal to nothing but the flag is the, the is the or the dream yeah it's yeah. the uh, yeah it quote it for me because I don't have it in front of me and I've had three beers yeah uh, I'm loyal to nothing general except the dream yes except the dream and he's holding uh, the freaking flag yeah it's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a. You don't head. have the powers to like show this to people, do you? I could probably find it. Yeah, let's see here. I think it's on my Twitter feed. Um. Oh, you know what? If you just Google, hold on. This is really riveting radio right now, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's. it's... It's awesome stuff. Time, I'll add, while, while you're doing that, I'll show you one of one of my prized pages that I was able to scoop up. Not here's up. a uh, here's a wonderful. Whoa! What is that? that is is that a, Riso? Uh, oh, it's Hester. Oh, huh? look at that. Nice. <laughs> it's Hester and, Hester you. and me. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a so Nightwing is, uh, page, right? Uh, Green Arrow. Is it? Yeah, I thought that was like the yeah. skull guy from Nightwing. No, it's uh, yeah, it's the uh, Mr. Bones. Is that? Oh, the... okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's uh, it's the last page of issue twenty-two of of Green Arrow. Oh, cool! I like the design on that one. That's cool. Yeah, as as f- I bought it from Phil, and he's like, "Yeah, you just bought one of the pages that I really like. That for some reason, uh, just didn't have, didn't have." a main character on it. So it just right. sat his, in his pile for a while. So Sal, I, I'm going to try putting my camera on this thing, but I don't know if it'll work. Okay. Well, if you want, you could just send me the link and I can pull it up. Oh, if you, okay. You, you All right. In the, in the Skype chat, you should be able to send me the link. Oh yeah. Okay. Hold yeah. on. Where does that happen? Um, that's a good question. Oh, Let's in see. the text thingy. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'm accepting you. I'm glad you're accepting of me, Andy. After yeah. all these years. Oh my God, me. that's quite a link I just sent. It's like a jillion characters. That's <laughs> a- did you get it? I did. Let's see now. How do I? And it's just that panel, and it's in color. It's from the comic, not from the original. Now, Andy, I've got a. I, I have an original art question that I've I've asked a couple people their opinion and this is I mean we're we're deep diving into OA nerd yeah, stuff sure. here. Right. All right. So there was there was do you remember the Avengers Fantastic Four crossover annuals 
where they're fighting the skull, the scrolls. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so John Byrne uh, drew both of those. He was doing, yeah. I think, okay. he was doing FF and had had either left Avengers or whatever. But he 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 did both. And that what was neat about those crossover annuals is that they actually did crossover. It was right. it was from the perspective of the Avengers and then from the perspective of the FF. And then they kind of meet at the halfway point. Mm-hmm. And there are pages, there are identical pages in those um, annuals that are all drawn by uh, Byrne, but they're inked by different people. Oh, cool. So, so here is, here's one. And so, I mean, I love the character mix on this because it's got Mr. Fantastic and Cap and yeah. Hercules. She-Hulk and Black Knight and it's it's there's Captain Marvel and and um, uh, Human Torch so it's a neat it's a neat page. Guess who inked this? It looks rather organic and brushy. It's hard to tell in this resolution. Mm-hmm. I would if I had to guess, I'd say Rubenstein or Breeding. Kyle Baker. Oh God! Oh my God! Yeah, I couldn't see. <laughs> so I have a Sylvester page that he inked from that era, and it is shocking. Like he was really, I think he was bashing things out uh, in comics, and then going to his ad job, advertising work job every day. And yeah, I, I think he learned under Giordano and some guys like that too. Maybe Klaus yeah. Johnson. So, so here's here's the question, and I forget that is from the. I think this this is from the Avengers. Yep, this is the mm-hmm. Avengers annual uh, fourteen. If anyone's keeping score at home, the same exact page is in the FF annual, but inked by somebody else, and I forget huh. who was inking Burn at that time for for FF. I, it, I don't. Yeah, I, I I forget. I should I should know. So my question is: Are there two of those pages out there in the wild? And if so, which one would be the actual yeah. page? And how does that affect the value of this? the The thing is, I can't see any. What actually, it does look like there's pencils there, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's just. I don't think there's any way to to really tell or be absolutely for sure that this is the original John Byrne right. page. So probably yeah. if you went to sell it, probably nobody would know either. Yeah, um, it's just a weird. It, I would in those in this era, it would be no big deal because inkers largely work from blue lines that they print out at home based on scans that they get anyway. You didn't have that technology at that time. Assuming they didn't ask him to pencil it twice, somebody probably got a stat and light boxed it. If yours looks yeah. like it's on official Marvel paper and everything, is mm-hmm. there Marvel like logo up on the top and all that shit? Um, I mean, it's stamped. It says, you know, yeah. the Avengers. And it looks like it's got the official blue line ruled there mm-hmm. for people to, yeah. I would guess that you have the one that Burn penciled on. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard to know. Well, good, because it wasn't cheap. Right. <laughs> That's the most I've ever spent on a page. Burn I traded stuff has a gone Patrick crazy. Gleason 
you know, I traded a Patrick Gleason. I think it was, no, it was an Ivan Rice double page spread, uh, green lantern, uh, two oh, yeah. double page spread and, and another page that I can't even remember. And at like a hundred bucks right. for this thing. It was like, and this is probably almost 10 years ago. And it was, you know, almost a $700 page at the right. time. And I was like, yeah, I can't pay cash. That. <laughs> My wife you can't me. lose money on burn these days. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, are either of you guys nerdy enough to know the art of John Byrne book very well? It came out. Exist. You might be a little too young for it too. Came out when I was in high school still, I think. And I knew every page of that thing. I knew it front and back. And a Superman sketch that Austin inked that was in that book, prominently featured, came up at auction last year. And I thought, well, this is, I'm going all in. (laughs) I I, I bid something crazy. I bid like three grand, I think. Crazy Mm -hmm. for just a sketch. I think it went for over seven. Jesus. I was like, oh, my God. Now, that had the bonus that it was Byrne and Austin. If you get those two together, it's gold. Because that's yeah. where, you know, people love the X-Men so much. But, yeah, it's shocking. I hear that about Hester Parks pages. Yeah, you don't want anybody else but Parks. That guy. He's the, <laughs> he's the defining guy on that. <laughs> oh, we were, sorry. We talk- we- oh, did can't you can't hear you, Sal. Sorry, I turned my volume down. That was the uh, okay. white cover of that, right? The John Art of John Byrne? I'm showing yes. one on... Okay. White cover and like a marker-colored drawing of um, Raj 2000 coming into an alley. Yeah. And like Wolverine, Wolverine. hunkering in fear. and Yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I don't know if I ever owned it or not. I can't imagine that I didn't, but... Yeah, I read mine so much, it. I think the pages were coming loose. <laughs> I just loved him so much. Even I read that journal article that came out around then, and he was—you could tell he was a dick. And, uh, <laughs> it didn't matter to me. I still loved him. God, I loved him. He was good. Yeah, to us. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. No, I was—you know—we when we talked to him, like that was another. It was him and Stan. Those were the two people that right. I've ever like freaked out about, and I was so terrified of Burn being horrible and yeah, he was yeah cool he was you know at least in that instance he was the best yeah well he here's awesome. what a nerd i am you i was once on your podcast the week uh after you had him on and you guys told me that you had asked him something that i had said online or it said i don't know i had said something about his work and you guys mentioned that hey our friend andy park said this about your work and john said oh that's a really good point and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> so he still holds that for me you know even though i know he's out. kind of a weird bitter old man we actually there was there was a a, a second like geek out moment from that episode that um you know the artist edition of his that came out his x-men uh i think idw put it out the right. the john byrne uh, Uncanny X-Men Artist Edition. Right. In the in the foreword of that book, he he doesn't mention us, but he mentions that I was on a podcast and they asked me this question and blah blah blah. And it was and you know it's you. It was, it was the question. It was it was a question that we asked him about basically about about 
you know, when when he knew that that the X Men was the the hit that it that it was that it was as popular and and uh, and I think his answer was um, you know sometime around the time that Paul Smith took over. Um, <laughs> but I thought uh, you I was were like, going to say when did you know he was leaving the book? I thought you had asked him the famous Colossus question. You guys know that. It's such a piddly little thing for two guys with massive egos to get pissed about. But there's a splash page of Colossus ripping a tree out of the ground. And Byrne drew it. And what he had in mind was Colossus smiling and, oh, what a joyous time it is to be out working in the field or something. I remember that. Yeah. And he drew speed lines as if he's just pulling it out of the earth, no problem. And Claremont, of course, turned it into this flowery, by the gods, you will come free, you blasted, you know, turned it into a strain. Well, that's the kind of thing that happens all the time in collaborations. But Byrne said, as soon as I saw that, I knew it was over. Like, okay. okay. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. When he came in and had cream cheese on his bagel, I knew it was over. <laughs> I think uh, that's funny. Claremont like wanted anything. Anytime he wrote Colossus, it was it, he was trying to be Tolstoy. You know, he's just yeah, like, right. Everything that comes out of his mouth has to be the most Russian thing I can yeah. come up with. <laughs> For the Chris, if, we, if we don't cover what we're drinking pretty soon, I'm going to be oh. empty. Oh, <laughs> okay. Um, so let me grab mine. So Andy, what are you drinking this evening? So I'm. Three fisting, but only two of them are alcoholic, so I'm two fisting in my mind. This is a uh, a perfect old fashioned. Nice. With a uh, Luxardo cherry. And uh, one of those big ice cubes, you know? I got one of those silicone ice cube mold thingies. And then, so that's my main cocktail. And for dessert. So tell, tell, for, tell, tell the people what makes a perfect old fashioned. Ah, uh, uh, perfect Manhattan is. Uh, a typical Manhattan would be made with bourbon and sweet vermouth. A perfect has half sweet and half dry vermouth, so it's a little less sweet overall. Okay. And these yeah. days, you know, it used to be like when I, I got turned on to perfect Manhattans by uh, a really fascinating guy who was like 93 when I met him. So he learned to drink these in prohibition times, probably. Mm-hmm. And he said he taught me how to drink perfect Manhattan. Back in those days, if you ordered a perfect Manhattan, a lot of bartenders would go, well, I'll try. (laughs) They didn't didn't know what it meant. These days, because of cocktail culture and how big it's gotten, almost everybody knows how to do a perfect Manhattan. And then this... And I think... Oh, go ahead. No, I I don't want to interrupt. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think I gave you a piece of advice about about Manhattans uh, a few years ago, whenever you were asking about bourbons. And I said, absolutely, use at least a hundred proof bourbon because you need that the higher proof to stand up to the vermouth. Yeah, and uh, and I think that you agreed with me. I do, and I think what yeah. I'm using now is ninety. I, I think that's what I usually have on hand yeah. is like a bullet or something. Yeah. And then this you can criticize. So that's a pretty a pretty pure classic cocktail. This is some bullshit. This is that <laughs> screwball peanut butter whiskey. And that's kind of my dessert sipping thing for the night. Yeah, Marta brought some of that home. It is uh, shockingly peanut butter. It's amazing. It's like a liquid nutter butter. Yes, it's 
shockingly <laughs> peanut butter and yeah. very much a dessert drink. Uh, so it's so 70, I but am, it is 70 proof. It's not like it's, you know, an aperitif. Oh, it's got booze in it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, it's got I'll, have, I'll sip a little of that. Oh, and then I have a, a Coke Zero, you know, to quench the thirst. So um, I thought it was fit, you know, befitting and, uh, you know, talking to one of our favorite people. And as we're trying to kind of weather through this craziness, this is one of my this is my favorite Milwaukee beer. And you would think that the Milwaukee beer culture um, has a long history and, and it does, but not from the, the craft brew side of things. It's right. it's kind of like St. Louis uh, in that it's been dominated by by mega brewers for for so long but the uh the craft beer industry in milwaukee is amazing now and it's i'd say it's really kind of in its first real decade of 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 really establishing itself but this is from a brewery called uh third space uh-huh. and this is happy place oh, and cool. this, nice. is, this is my and it's a, a wonderful uh, Midwest pale ale. It's not super duper hoppy. It's got a real nice um, citra feel to it. So it's uh, right. uh, floral, a lot of, lot of citrus in it. So, yeah, this is my happy place. Do you remember that I'm a total beer idiot? I never learned to like beer, so I don't, I don't know any of these things. That's it okay. sounds delightful. I'm, I'm, I'm drinking this because on Tuesday, whenever we were talking with Tony, I think I had about – two and a half bottles of wine and uh, i'm not going to do that tonight (laughs) good good (laughs) sal you got a beverage over there what are you doing it was froze up um oh no oh there he is what the heck's going on here he he looks very deep in thought he's very pensive tonight yes it's all the it's the it's the producer's chair from doing this uh this video stuff now you're it's such a, a big a timer, Neesman. You just sit there, la da 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 la. Sal has to do all the front work. Yeah, <laughs> that was it's one of the conditions for getting back together to do this. I was like, how little do I will I have to do? Right. <laughs> Talk absolutely done. So you're in Milwaukee now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do you know? Well, do you know of John and Ruth Jordan? John. No, John Jordan and and his wife Ruth published Crime Spree magazine. Oh yeah 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 yeah. They um did they? So you might have met them in own, a Chicago con at some point or other. Did they own the crime bookstore? There was. I don't a, know that they ever owned a store. They they put on some uh, writers events in Milwaukee. I went to three of those, I believe. Yeah, I actually Murder and drove Mayhem up from events. Chicago. Murder and Mayhem. Yeah, I drove up here. I um, uh, uh, Clay Moore mm-hmm. was up here for one, and I remember driving up from Chicago to um, to talk to Greg Rucka, who was oh, at cool. one. That must and have been the first was... one because I missed the first one, and then I went to the next several. Yeah, and they're and, just delightful uh, people. And John's family owned this tool and die shop. That's why I wonder if you knew him because there was a brewery near like right across the street almost they they own like a block um and the tool and die business has slowed down but they still own this this block that was the factory and they live in part of it and they live in what were the offices so like the door to their bedroom has that great frosted glass on it you know because it used to be (laughs) some manager's office or something they're just delightful people some of my favorite people 
Oh, that's awesome. That's I, I know that I know that you make it back to Chicago every once in a while, but if you ever get back up to to Milwaukee, you better let me know. I'd like to. It's been too long. I I think I did my last one of those events like almost two years ago. Oh no, I know when it was. I was riding back on the train when Comey's bullshit bombshell about Hillary hit like ten days before the election. Yeah, but her emails. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So God, that's been. Yeah, that's been a long time. That's probably three, yeah, three, three yeah. and a half years ago. So I love that Milwaukee man. I went that trip. Um, I went downtown. Well, not really downtown. It was the outskirts. Um, the famous German joint in town. There are there's two mm-hmm. of them, right? Yeah, it's um. Oh gosh, now you're gonna. We we've eaten. I took my dad there. Uh, um. I just want to say Snidewurst, and that's not what it is. Right. And uh, all I can think of is the one in Chicago, and it's not that one, obviously. So, yeah, I'm blanking. Uh, I will have it in just a second. Yeah, it's but it's very, it's very, very, uh, uh, Mater's. Mater's, yeah. I think that's the one yeah. I went to. And, yeah, uh, it's very old school. Yeah, I had some drinks at the bar and talked to people. Everybody was delightful. And I had some, mm-hmm. these totally, how early do you want to die, uh, appetizers that were like little <laughs> Reuben sandwiches and a fried egg roll. Oh my god! Oh, yeah. Jesus. So you you know that I can drink, and yeah. it, we all we all can. Um, I thought I could drink until I moved to Wisconsin, and well, those people don't mess I, around. It's. I mean, I, I was I was introduced to a saying here pretty you know pretty much right off the bat, and that was if you're gonna you can't day drink if you don't start early, <laughs> and, and, and they fucking mean it. Yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they call them eye openers. <laughs> that's a good. That's nice. nice. It's like, oh, you ready for an eye opener? I'm like, it's seven. Yeah. <laughs> I don't see your point. <laughs> they're like oh yeah, yeah you're behind yeah, you're right uh, yeah we should probably start with brandy not vodka then yeah i confess i had a fuck it day about a week ago i it was about noon and i just wasn't feeling it and i mm-hmm. said you know what i got stuff to make a great margarita in the kitchen to hell with this day i went and made a giant margarita and i ate a bunch of chips and just vegged out and watched tv all day it was fantastic <laughs> That's back back to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. One of my out of a hundred favorite moments of that is is whenever he's making a pitcher of margaritas yes. and just running around with a fucking pitcher of margaritas yelling at these Doesn't hippies. He, yeah, he's got it in his hand when he runs to the window. Do you goddamn hippies? You goddamn. <laughs> Nine uh, goddamn whiskey sours. Talking, talking to the cops, and he's just like, "Yeah, I was, uh, I was making margaritas, and and then you know everything went crazy." Oh <laughs> uh, God! Uh, yeah, I, love I that. can see you doing that in like a robe, you know, yeah, right? robe, robe <laughs> with a with with a with a fedora. Yeah, making, I was really scared for him. I mean, he was out there, he's screaming at those guys, and they had a gun in the front seat. I was like, "No, not Leo." <laughs> <laughs> I, so I yeah, saw it once in the theater, great. and I was so impressed. And I remember the moment where I said, he's not going to piss me off in this one. When the narrator kicks in, and it's pretty early in the movie when the narrator tells you that's a fucking lie. He got his license taken away, you know. 
And I thought in a in a movie a few years ago, Quentin would have done that narration, and I would have got mad. But it's Kurt and Russell. He right? didn't do it. He hired Kurt Russell to do a professional yeah. job. I was like, oh shit, we might be in for something now. Yeah, yeah, it's a yeah, it's a special special movie. It's, yeah, the moment like that really dedicated. pisses me off. I told you the hateful eight makes me mad. So, no, the <laughs> the one that really makes me mad is Django. Which I thought was an okay, you know, it was pretty good. And I love Kristoff. Whenever Kristoff's on screen, I'm happy. Late in the movie, they're being taken away by these Australians. Do you remember this? Yes. And my Hollywood daddy shows up, Michael Parks. And he's acting his ass off. And look who's there showing, sharing the scene with Michael Parks and ruining the whole fucking moment. Quentin acting and doing a horrible Australian accent. And I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Just direct the goddamn thing, will you? Jesus. I don't know. I, I'll take I, it. I, I don't I, care. I I, do he it. can put himself in as many movies as he wants, as, as long as he keeps making movies. I don't. You um, like them all? How many does he have left? Um, he's got, what, two left? So he says he's going to do 10. I think is that yeah, it. Yeah, even that sets me off when he says the ninth film by I Get Mad. <laughs> John Houston didn't do that. Stuff. Knock it off. <laughs> John Houston was drunk. Too drunk to do that. He couldn't count to nine. <laughs> <laughs> he meant to. He kept screwing up the numbers. Yeah. I I don't. I mean, I like all of his movies. I don't love all of his movies. Um, yeah. But I'll take a Tarantino movie over pretty much anything else that comes out that same year to me. Well, it's true. You know, I told you I hated Hateful Eight. I saw the goddamn thing three times to be sure how much I hated it because it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot of hate, Andy. That's right. a lot of hate. <laughs> He's not boring. It, I give remind, him that. He makes you think. It reminds me, it reminds me uh, a few years ago, there was a, a Wilco record that, that came out and, and, you know, I listened to this, you know, this record and, and I go and I, I go to talk to Marta about it. And Marta, Marta has long been a, a, a more well-informed music fan than I am. She was like the director of her, of her college radio station. And, and she's just, she's got a great ear and just, it's a very good music fan. And yeah. I start trying to get into this deep conversation about this new Wilco record. And she's like, that's what pisses me off about that fucking band and its fucking fans. Just <laughs> listen to the goddamn record, and if you like it, great. If you don't, fucking don't listen to it anymore. And I was just like, "You are wise, woman. You are That's wise." True. And I feel, you know, and I feel that the same same way about you know film fans and, and Tarantino is that yeah. is that they can't just like it or not like it. They've got to dissect it, and yeah. you know, it's yeah. There are some some creators that are uh, Grant Morrison comic books, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of, you know, that it all I hate people Grant gravitate. Morrison. I hate Grant Morrison book. fans for sure. That they're my <laughs> least favorite comic book fans. Well, <laughs> I could get up on like, too big like, a tangent, but Wilco is the big, like weak spot in my whole like indie rock credentials. I, I should like them. Paul Westerberg's my favorite. I love yeah. REM. I love, and I don't know. Wilco just bores me. I don't know. I never got it. Um, you know, it's AM. 
is is a fun little record. Why did you do this? Yeah. And Why it, did you do this, Andy? He's going to go off on a goddamn oh God, twenty I'm minute sorry. diatribe yeah. on Wilco okay, now. Quick story. Where's Marta? Quick story. Where's quick Marta story. to stop so, him? So 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 Uncle Tupelo, my favorite hey. band of all time. Here, I drink. actually have a calendar. I'll start ripping off pages. <laughs> Uncle Tupelo breaks up, and yes. Jafar goes off starts uh sunvolt but uh tweedy had left with a couple you know a, a, some of the crew from from tupelo they they do am am comes out before trace which was the first sunvolt record and there's a story that wilco is on the early leg of their tour and the new and sunvolt's record comes out and they stop at a probably like a tower records or something and and pick it up and they're and they're listening to it in the in the tour van, and you know AM is a fun little alt country record. Yeah, Trace is, I think, an important, like an important record. Mm-hmm. It's 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 weighty. It has a lot of weight to it. And, and so they listen to this, and Tweety is completely silent the entire time that they're listening to it. And it gets you know the last track finishes, and he just kind of looks up. And looks at the band, and he's like, "We have a lot of work to do." Is all he <laughs> said. And right. and then you know, then their second record being there, it, it they went from being kind of like a fun little alt country, almost joke band, not joke band, but right. you know, fun poppy, you know, alt country to being there was like this big double album with a lot of oh, a, a lot of um, still going? Uh, production to it. Yeah. So anyway, it's <laughs> I. I'm more of a Jay guy than a Jeff guy. I'll, I'll just put it down. Okay, yeah. The fuck does that mean? I don't know anything. Yeah, about, I don't know anything about Wilco. I've never. <laughs> it's I like couldn't... it's like a it's like a Lennon McCartney thing. But uh, right. you know, speaking of REM, um, I was listening to uh, the radio today, and um, "Try Not to Breathe" came on. Oh and I was god, just like, it's so beautiful. Is that the last great REM song? Like the last like great REM song. Maybe, maybe. I love, um, there's a song called Supernatural, Super, Super, what's it called? Supernatural, Super Serious on one of their last albums. But yeah, that, that automatic is my favorite record. And when that song comes on, it just rips your heart out. It, it, it just, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, you know what? I mean, that, that song is kind of about a plague, right? I think it's. Mm -hmm. You can interpret it any way you want. I think it's about a person dying of HIV complications. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I haven't heard it in our new context. It might really devastate yeah. me right now. It, it hit me hard, but it just dawned on me. It's like, my God, that might be the last like great REM song. Yeah, like that. You know, that 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 sneaks its way into the my top ten favorite REM songs. Yeah. So what did Tony Moore brought me up? I want to hear about this. Oh, <laughs> we, we were Let's talking not about to make it all uh, about me again. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was funny. We were talking about um, uh, what the the time the the, the time writing versus uh, uh, producing visually, and um, there was uh, when Tony was working on Exterminators, which I think you backed him up on on inking some of those uh-huh. um and tony way back when when he's working on it and we had he and simon on yeah. simon oliver the writer on yeah. the show at the same time 
and Tony was just like, Simon, stop writing the words tidal wave of bugs. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I own one of those pages. It's it's an incredible wave of it's a three quarter splash, I think, of roaches. And <laughs> man, I mean you've seen my work with Phil. I like stuff to be bold and graphic and You spot a lot of blacks. Yeah. Yeah, and Tony wasn't having it, man. He drew those fucking roaches and he drew them and then he drew them some more. I it was it was exhausting. And it's just yeah. the mental just staying engaged for that, you know, just How many of those how many of those issues did you ink? Maybe four, maybe, something like okay. that. Okay. But I think what he had said uh, about you specifically was also um and I'm, I'm having a hard time remembering the exact context because I drank so goddamn much. But <laughs> he said you had incre- he said you had incredibly soft hands. No, he's he said that you know uh, you're known you were known as an inker, but you could outdraw oh. most writer or all right, I mean, oh, you could that's outdraw nice. most yeah. artists. So yeah. yeah, it was very. It's not true, but that's very nice. Here's <laughs> a well, we, I can talking, draw we a little talk- bit, mm-hmm. but I don't draw. Uh, in a way that I think comics should be made. I, When I draw, it looks labored and it takes me a long time. And to me, that's just not good comics. So I'm, I'm happy as an inker. And, and then at one point I had to decide, okay, inking isn't everything I want to do in life. What do I want to do in addition to? And at that point I decided I think I'd rather be a writer. I've always had writing in my head. I was probably always a more natural writer than I was an artist, but I didn't know how to make a living as a writer. So I went into art because that seemed easier. Um, so when I made, I, at one point I had to make that decision. Am I going to try to become a penciler or an all around artist, or am I going to become a writer? And I took the writing path because I'm lazy for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, are, are you are you are you writing or inking more these days, or a little bit of both? Does it you know go back and forth? Well, it's been a weird time. I have been particularly lazy the last. By the way, saying particularly is a good way to tell how drunk you are. Um, <laughs> um, test. So it was kind of a. I don't want to get too personal, but my wife lost both her parents in the last year and change. Um. With her mom passing in February, early March, something like that. And so there's been a lot. Um, my daughter had some drama. So there was this whole like holiday up to like February where I, I hardly did anything. And now I got this job inking a book of Dark Horse. And then this whole thing, I was like, here I go, back to the day the grind. And then the world kind of mm-hmm. screw, screw that up. So what I should be doing is writing every day, and I have to confess I have not had the focus for that lately. So I'm, I did, I've been doing some prints, some paintings. I like doing watercolors where I kind of, I don't know if you've seen my Star Wars pieces I did. I do a watercolor, mm-hmm. and then I ink awesome. over it. So it, it looks like a watercolor, but it's still got my inking on top of it. I like doing those. Um, what So what I'm, what I'm going to launch here. I wanted to have my Patreon be kind of a thriving thing by the time the movie comes out. So I've been putting more artwork up on it. And so there'll be a tier where you can, I, I didn't mean to turn this into an infomercial, 
Forgive me. No, that's no, that's why we had you on, man. We want to know what's going on. <laughs> There'll be a tier where you can sign up uh, for five bucks a month and get access to a lot of high res scans of my Star Wars paintings, or there'll be some pencil and inks things, or prints, various things like that. And then there'll also be a writing side you can get for five bucks a month, where I'll post essays, I'll post a piece of original art from my collection, and tell you why I think it's special and why it works. Um, today I posted a little article about the credits for the graphic novel Ciudad and how like nobody gets it right when they mention the movie. They don't really understand that I wrote the graphic novel, but it was, ba- you know, it's complicated. Um, and then I'm also going to write a kind of as you go daily novella um, based on characters I created in a novel that was unpublished a few years ago. So it'll be a period thing set in Kansas city in late thirties Um called Hightower after the lead character Estes Hightower who is uh, this very large Native American gentleman who kind of works for a a crime boss in Kansas City and kind of as muscle and so it's about Estes Hightower and him doing awful shit in Kansas City while still being a good man and trying to cling to his own little set of ethics so the goal is to kind of have that ongoing at the Patreon as well so that every day, if you log in, you'll see another few hundred words of that thing going on. So I'll kind of develop it live as it goes. That's very cool. I hope That's so. A, it's a little nerve-wracking. Yeah. I'm not I'm not usually kind of that seat-in-my-pants kind of writer, but I'm going to give it a shot. That's cool. And I've, I've always I've always enjoyed your your love of Kansas City. Um, I, I, th- there should be like a um, like a, you know, very like high tier Patreon level of the uh, Andy Parks personal tour of Kansas <laughs> right. City. Um, because we you, did that, you right? Did that that. take you to Union yeah. Station and all that stuff. Nice. Took me Union Station to the. It took me to the uh, the what the War Memorial. Um, yeah, the Memorial. Yeah. Uh, we uh, we went to the um, uh, Negro League and Jazz. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, we, uh, we went and had, um, barbecue at, at, at the time, one of your favorite places, which is not one of your favorite places. It's sad. Now. It's kind of fallen off. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, got... oh, and then I drove yeah. you up to see the site of the original ball field there. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, um, I got the, I got the Andy Parks tour of Kansas city and that was like two fantastic amazing days it's, oh good uh, i really enjoyed yeah. doing that i'm glad you had a good time yeah it's one of my one of my my favorite favorite memories it was uh um can't yeah i go on and on about how hospitable you were for that nice. so, good yeah 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 is that fantasy football league still going <laughs> no so were you in the one that i ran yeah no, I I couldn't take commissioner anymore. These people are a big pain in the ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I quit that, and now I'm in one that Dan Jurgens run, and he can have all the headache. There you go. <laughs> oh, speaking of uh, of Jurgens, um, shit, I think I've got it around here somewhere. Well, I was going to tell you, Andy. I, I uh, so my daughter had to do a book report on uh, In Cold Blood. Oh, cool! This year, so I I gave her as a supplement. Uh, you know, I gave her your graphic novel. Nice. Yeah, Capote in Kansas. I uh, she enjoyed. Excellent. It. Yeah. She but, did not find it sacrilegious as somebody who had read both. 
No. Well, she didn't <laughs> say that to me, so no, I don't. I don't believe right. so. Why have you gotten that a lot from people? Uh, there are a handful of people who just the idea of Truman talking to a ghost they find that ridiculous and I, I don't I I think if you read if I wrote the graphic novel well you can view Nancy Clutter as a ghost or you can you view her as a tool of Truman's process right mm-hmm. so I I hope it works either way but it doesn't work that way for everybody so so yeah. it goes I had a weird adventure this summer um it's kind of a long story forgive me about a year and a half ago I got an email from a guy I didn't know with a big attachment. And that's always a little scary. <laughs> so, and like a 10 meg attachment. I'm like, what the hell? You're just this? talking file size, not an actual yes. attachment. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I start reading this email and this guy says, Andy, I read your book, Capote in Kansas, like several years ago and it really moved me. And I've been fantasizing about the idea of making an opera out of it. And I'm writing to see if you might be interested in granting your permission for that. And I'm attaching a finished aria sung by a friend of mine. Wow. And so one minute I've never heard of this guy. And the next minute I'm hitting play and hearing this woman sing as Nancy Clutter an aria from this proposed opera. So that was a crazy day. And uh, we worked out the contracts and... I told him, possibly foolishly, come out to K. If you ever come out to Kansas, I'll take you out there. Well, sure enough, here he comes. He's a New York guy. And last summer, he shows up and says, all right, let's go. And so I drove my buddy Bill out to those parts of the world. And um, we met people. We went to church services where the clutters attended. We oh, wow. met people who knew them. We did stuff that I never had the balls to do on my own before. I just... I, I couldn't face it, but Bill had enough confidence. And, you know, to his credit, we walked into a founder. We went to three church services that day. That's three more than I have been to in a long time. <laughs> and the middle one was the founder's service. So this is a back room in the church where the old people go. Mm-hmm. And we go in there and I'm like, we're just going to fly under the radar, right? And the the pastor says, so why are you gentlemen here? And Bill stands up and tells him. I'm like, oh, fuck. Oh, my God. Wrong audience. You can't show up here and tell him you want to know about the clutters. That's, that's, we're going we're gonna to have to leave town. And you know what he said? He said, we want Nancy Clutter to be remembered for more than the way she died. And after that, we were golden. And uh, the people were very welcoming. Everybody was really charming. Uh, so, yeah, it was quite an experience. And uh, I had not been to those places for a long time. And it's it's moving all over again. And it's also, it's moving kind of just seeing how these people in this town have had to deal with the the aftermath, you know, assholes like me showing up. And when we were there, it was the, there was an, an anniversary looming Let's see, 59 to 19. What is that? 60 years? Yeah. Um, that was looming, and they hate the anniversaries because reporters from, you know, show up and say, what are you, you know, and it's just annoying. But, uh, yeah, it was a good experience. Bill, God bless him. He did a, a really good job introducing me to everybody and kind of getting us accepted. 
So he's off now working on this opera, and it was going to be workshopped this summer. Um, that may go away now that we can't see other humans for a while. But yeah, but yeah. he's putting finishing touches on it. It's it's pretty cool. It's really interesting. I never thought of that. I mean, when you said opera, you know, I don't know anything about opera, so I but I could imagine it as a play. For sure, right? You know that it, it this almost... is a shorter piece, and I didn't realize this. I don't know opera at all. A lot of operas are short, and he said this. So this would be like a forty-minute piece, just Truman and Nancy sitting in a room, singing. And he said a lot of a lot of times when you go to see an opera, or especially when they perform them at colleges, it's actually two short pieces. It's like two forty minutes with an intermission in between. It's pretty common. So. <clears throat> I don't know. I just want to see it performed live once. That's all I want out of the whole deal. Yeah, that'd be cool. pretty cool. I wonder, uh, going back to the town, uh, and and you know, I wonder with the sort of explosion of true crime podcasts and the interest in true crime, if right. it's just gotten worse, you know, or if people don't really look at that because that was the first true crime book right like he created that it was that, a big yeah, yeah it was the big one it, cre- yeah. it, cre- it created the genre yeah right so i wonder how that's you know i would imagine because it just seems like true crime has become so huge over you know you know uh in the yeah. last few years especially that i i can imagine they they're getting even more you know uh inundated with fans and and right. seekers that kind of thing we were told so there are two towns there there's garden city which is kind of the the big town. Um, And then there's Holcomb, which was a smaller thriving town when the clutters were alive and now is very small and struggling little town. Uh, We were told don't go into the only restaurant in Holcomb, which is now a Mexican joint because there are a lot of immigrants there. That's the only reason that part of Kansas isn't shrinking is that there are Mexicans coming up to look for work in like meatpacking and stuff. Um, so there's a Mexican restaurant there. We were told don't go in there and mention the clutters because that wouldn't go well. So I think you have to be careful where you tread, you know. Um, yeah. mm-hmm. And Holcomb did a really <clears throat> neat thing. There's a city park in Holcomb, and there's a big plaque and a little memorial for the clutters. And the plaque mentions all the amazing community involvement that they did. And just at the end mentions that they were killed in their homes, and that's it. And it feels, when you're standing there looking at that plaque, it feels like Holcomb taking them back from all that. Say, look, we know about Inkleblood, we get it. But these were our people, and they had lives here, and we're not interested in that part, you know? Have uh, Have either of you um, watched Don't Fuck With Cats on Netflix? No, I just I, started hearing about it. It's I watched, have, like, the first minute and a half i'm just like i don't know if i can watch this no it's really hard to watch it's it's just a brief overview of it and then i'll get to why i brought it up but it's a documentary it's a three-part documentary um on netflix and it's basically about this group of internet people that they see this video of a guy murdering two kittens oh yeah a guy puts it online of him killing these two kittens and so yeah obviously sparks outrage these people get all very pissed off and they start 
trying to figure out who this guy is and 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 using like yeah. Google Maps and all this anything they can do online and they're they're not professional investigators they're just people who are pissed off about it and they started this like Facebook group and they started to try and wow. track this guy down and the story gets really interesting and very very dark and it's there's parts of it that are really hard to watch they don't ever show um <clears throat> the you know actually video of him doing anything but they they get to the point almost and it's yeah. it's there's parts that are really hard to watch, but it's a really interesting kind of documentary. But at the is this a multi part thing? It's three parts. Yeah, it's like it's okay. like three hours. And huh. um, the the reason I brought it up was in it someone does get killed. There is there is a, a murder at, at oh, one God. point. Yeah, and um, I thought they the the filmmakers did a really excellent job at the end of it, like the last. 10, 15 minutes of the film are about the guy who was killed right. because, and you know, and, and one of his friends even talks about it is like, you know, everybody's going to talk about this and nobody's going to talk about my friend. All they're going to say about him is he was killed. And, yeah. and that, that is really a, you know, there's so much interest in all these crimes and things, weird and bizarre things that happen. And, and rarely mm-hmm. does anyone ever mention the victims other than they were killed or how they were killed. And there's a there's a new tragedy of our times where there's gonna be a lot of people die in the next month or two or whoever knows, and they're gonna be well that was a that was a COVID victim and there's gonna be so many of them that they won't probably get their due as individuals. Sure, um, but that's the way history works. Yeah, I it, it, you saw it. I mean. John Prine this week, which I'm still wrecked about. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's it's going to be a. This sounds horrible, but it's for the most part, it's going to be a lot of a lot of older people that are going to die. In a bunch, you know, there's yeah. going to be a lot of older people. More Drucker passed away today. Yeah. Yeah. I listened you know? to uh, yeah. I listened to the Howard Stern show, and his producer's father-in-law died uh, the other day of Corona. And just hearing Gary talk about that process, he went in to have his uh, battery and his um, pacemaker changed. And in the hospital probably got the virus. Mm -hmm. So basically went in and for 19 days suffered and died in that hospital without any family contact. Some days they'd call and a nurse might be willing to look at the chart from yesterday and tell them what was happening. But that was it. Um, it's a it's a just ongoing tragedy that a lot of people are going to be going through. Yeah, I'm thinking yeah, about that. Like, the, the, you know, I mean, I'm 49 now, going on 50, and you know, obviously, this is the first time really, you know, in the last few years that death was ever present in my mind. You know what I mean? Like, it's there. Right. It's you know, I'm 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 closer to the end than I am <laughs> the beginning. You know, and and yeah. uh, but to think like if you're in your seventies, eighties, nineties, and it's got to be very much on your mind a lot. And probably the one thing you don't want to do is die alone. You know, like that's yeah. going to be the, the, the scariest part of it maybe is, you know, it's like when you get to that part, man, that's, you know, that's yeah, it's a, sad for everybody involved. Yeah. And Gary said that, um, probably the best, maybe a year from now, they'll have a mass. But for now, all they're going to get is driving to a cemetery and not getting out of the car 
and having a funeral director say a few words and driving home. That's yeah. about all the yeah. closure you get right now. Yeah, there's not going to be a lot of closure for for a lot of people. And you know, I guess the only the only good news that that I've seen is that um, is that we. Have, and this sounds horrible. I mean, this that extraction is going to kick ass. Is that where you're headed? <laughs> extraction is like... going to be amazing. <laughs> On um, but but we, we 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 appear to be um, uh, getting close to like peak deaths right I now. So, yeah. Where few where fewer people are dying every Isn't that day. Isn't a bizarre so, thing? Hey, I got, like, I got, we're we're uh, yeah. It, it's, it's like hoping horrible. for. Let's just get to the top of the mountain so we can you know yeah peter right. off. Yeah. Oh. It's, uh, yeah, there are, you know, 14 people fewer died today than, than yesterday. Right. So we're on the, the downhill slide. Um, back to the Capote in Kansas and, and, and that I, one of the characters that's, that's tied into not, not just your story, but Truman Capote's story is, is Harper Lee. I never mm-hmm. did hear your thoughts or opinions on, uh, Go Set a Watchman. Well, I haven't read it. I, <laughs> that, that says a lot. <laughs> I feel a little creepy. Um, I don't know. I just feel like if she wanted me to have it, I would have had it before. I don't know. It's the yeah. same. You know, I'm a huge Prince fan, and I haven't rushed to hear all those things. And in the end, I mean, it doesn't matter to them. They're dead, for Christ's sake. But it's still, it feels slightly ghoulish, so I haven't taken part. Do you know about... Um, I listen to this podcast, Criminal, and there's a another true crime case that Harper found herself involved in. It's an amazing story about this guy in a little town who probably murdered a lot of people, including several wives. And finally, somebody couldn't take it anymore, and they shot him in the middle of a funeral service. Oh, wow. They just said, to hell with you. This is for my sister. And killed him right there in front of everybody. And Harper Lee went to that trial and supposedly put months, maybe years of work into a book about those events. And again, never published. And man, I am really passionate. I would love to know what I wish she wrote about that. Sure. If somebody told me it was published tomorrow, I, I don't know what I'd do. I'm very fascinated by it. I would probably eventually knuckle under and and give it a read i'm sure she doesn't care wherever she is she could give a shit at this point <laughs> it's I, I mean is there is there anyone is there any author in modern time that has written so little and had so much claim <laughs> no i don't I, not I, that i know of it i mean it's 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 amazing. I mean, just the idea we talked about what what Inco Blood meant to the world. Mm-hmm. That's why I wrote that book. I mean, I'd always been fascinated by Truman, and uh, it always interested me that Truman came to my part of the world and get pe- got people like my grandpa to open up to him. And I'd seen Truman Capote on TV. I knew he was a odd little homosexual from New York, and I was like, how did how did that work? How did he get Kansas to talk to him? Mm-hmm. And then when I found out that he came with Harper Lee, right as Mockingbird was being published, like they made the trip before Mockingbird was published, when you find out that the guy who wrote maybe the great American work of whatever you call it, crime fiction, nonfiction, I don't know, 
came to Kansas created, with, created the, the genre of true, right. of true crime. Yeah. Came to Kansas with the woman who wrote arguably the great American novel. That's ridiculous. That's when I thought I, I got to write something about these two. And you did. It was awesome. And you got a you got a pretty uh, good young uh, artist to. Uh, yeah, he's with. okay. <laughs> he's all right. Whatever he's happened to that bad. guy? Whatever God happened? To... I, love, I love describing all these people that I've worked with, and they, oh, they've drawn five series with Mark Wade to huge acclaim. Oh, they directed the biggest movie the world's ever seen. I'm like, I'm doing okay. I got some Jack over here. I'm all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. I was I was telling Sal this story. We had a. Uh, we were at uh, New York Comic Con. God, this had to be what the first first year of New York Comic Con. So that's what two thousand eight, two thousand nine, some right. something silly like that. And yeah, I mean, we're hustling hard. We're working with Hero Initiative, and we're bringing creators in to talk. We had Carmine Infantino that came up and talked with us, and we're getting art submissions to donate to Hero to auction off. Uh, Neil Adams gave us like three sketches that if I wasn't an idiot, I would have pocketed because <laughs> uh, uh, they went for way too, way too little. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Chris Somney uh, did a 11 by 17 um, cover quality Hulk piece of course he to did, donate <laughs> because it's Chris. And, and I remember taking it to the, to the hero rep. And he's looking through all of the art that we're donating for this thing. And he's like, who's this guy? I'm like, oh, Chris Somney. And he's like, hmm, is he, is he anybody? Is he a guy? And I was just like, I think you're getting him at the right time. <laughs> I think, I think he's going to be okay. So. Yeah. We have a, uh, a question on, uh, oh boy. Oh. On, yeah. We have a question here on, on YouTube. Um, uh, Jay Hood Creative asked, "Any thoughts on the comic adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird? Have you have either of you guys? I haven't read that. I haven't seen it. But I guess are we saying a, such a thing exists? Yeah, there is. Um, I oh. guess it came out in 2018. It's To Kill a Mockingbird, a graphic novel. Really? Um, it's Fred Fordham. I'm not familiar with uh, with who he is, but yeah, apparently it is out there, and uh, I haven't read it, so." I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, it's um, I I am ashamed to admit I've never I don't know anything about it. I'm trying to see who published it. Let's see. The art is interesting. Uh, yeah. I like that he didn't. Um, it looks like he drew humans that he thought would work for the story. He didn't necessarily try to draw. Gregory, Gregory Packer, Packer yeah. Oh, and the gentleman who drew it is a dreamy son of a bitch, I had I have to say. <laughs> huh. I'm totally unaware of it, so I cannot offer an opinion. Yeah. It looks I like it, it gets good reviews. I, I hope he didn't get any reviews like I got I got one review on Capote in Kansas on Amazon. Where the guy said, um, it's a comic book, don't waste your time. And he gave it <laughs> oh, one geez. star. Wow. <laughs> that's great apparently, apparently wasn't aware when he ordered it what he was buying and so felt like he had <laughs> to like, share that opinion with the world this is a kitty book don't waste your time it's I, that reminds me um god this has been 
years ago that there was someone that did a um, a graphic novel of uh, the Jeffrey Dahmer murders. Yeah, the My Friend My Dahmer, friend, is that yeah. what it's called? No, this is before oh. that. Oh, before that. Like, okay. before that. And... And I'm and I'm, I was a comic book fan, and I saw this interview where they had like it was a total bear trap they put this poor guy into, where he was on some talk show, like local talk show, and they had one of the mothers of one of Dahmer's victims was on oh. this, and she's just like, "You put my son in a comic book." in a comic book and goes through the whole, like you're making fun of, of, I mean, and obviously, you know, it's like, no, this was a serious graphic novel about Jeffrey Dahmer and, and, and these, these mass murders. And I'm sure this woman had never seen it or never picked it up. But the idea that it was a comic book of Jeffrey Dahmer you know, I'm, she's probably thinking like Felix the cat, you know, right, right. and, you know, well, that's and, what I thought would but, happen in Garden City, Kansas. When we, we said, no, 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 we're here for serious reasons. We're involved with a comic book and an opera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, but but it's going to be tastefully done. You know? <laughs> I'm trying to think if I've read. I did read that my friend Dahmer. Uh, which was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I have um, to confess, the art just did not appeal to me, so I didn't, I did not read it. It's, uh, it's. I mean, if you're interested in in just a different perspective, I mean, it's it's literally about a guy that grew up with him, and so, right, you know, while he gets they, into um, some some of the weirdness that he was about, it's you know, I mean. It's just different because it's it's a kid's perspective, sort of, of of this guy that I knew when I was a kid, and he was weird, but you know, right. n- not a whole right. lot more than that. But it, it, they uh, um, uh, turned into it was a movie. Yeah, adapt- I watched part of the movie, and I got very disturbed, uh, and I quit watching. Yeah, there was so a scene where they the guy yeah. who plays Dahmer goes to see a doctor who was played by somebody famous who I can't recall. Anyway, remember. during part of the exam, Dahmer obviously gets an erection, and the doctor gets uncomfortable. And it's it's and I was like, yeah, I I'm, life is hard enough. I I don't need this. <laughs> I don't have enough whiskey. I don't yeah, have right. on the shelf. <laughs> In some way, there's only money. You know, when Trump is president, there's so much so much horrible bandwidth you can bear <laughs> to lose before you're like, I gotta, I still gotta function as a human. Yeah, we, we I, watch a lot of the Great British Baking Show here. Yes. <laughs> Yes. Well, I, I was. Uh, I, I have to admit that going back to that documentary that don't fuck with cats. I I was watching the first episode of it, and it was it was probably midnight. My whole family's asleep. Uh, I'm alone in the basement watching it. There's a thunderstorm, and about forty minutes into it, I'm like, Yeah, I think I'm gonna turn this off and watch some something funny before I go to bed because I'm not gonna be able to sleep. <laughs> And, uh, I think yeah. I mentioned yesterday, I had kind of a rough day, and so we were sitting around at night. I said, Cynthia, can you pick between Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke, and Bob Newhart? <laughs> Bob Newhart. She she chose Bob Newhart. Yeah, we watched one of those, yeah. so that, that was a good yeah. way to end the day. Yeah, That's so yeah. funny. Yeah. I just, I, nice choice. I just watched, I just started watching Bob Newhart again, like the Bob Newhart show, and it's like, man, it's still, 
It's still funny. It's he's it's he's so good. Yeah. You the know Bob the Newhart miracle of that show. I love I love about Bob that when Bob tries to be funny on that show, it's always painfully not funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's always his deadpan moments that are hilarious. Yeah. Um no, it was the yeah, the the well the original was the Bob Newhart show, right? And then it was yeah, Newhart. That's the, show. The, the one yeah. the one where he's a psychiatrist. That's yeah, the one yeah. you want. Great yeah. stuff. I even which I love the the series finale of Newhart. Right. right. Yeah. Where it was all a dream. dream. Right. Spoiler right? alert. And yeah. <laughs> Twenty years ago this and, thing happened. Hold on, people. <laughs> it was it's one of the one of the best series finales. It's like right there with Mash, right? And they got Suzanne to do it and everything, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 She's like, she's like, he's like, I just had the weirdest she dream. Up in bed. Yeah, is, yeah. You know, it's yeah, yeah. It's like oh, go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, I hate to put, I I don't want to end your own your show, but I'm out of booze, and I told the wife I'd be free around now to watch something fun. Yeah, go watch some guys, new heart, man. You guys are fun. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, we miss you, bud. But, I'm, I'm, so I finished I'm, my I'm, Manhattan. I finished my screwball, and then I filled this up with some Sailor Jerry, and now I'm dry. <laughs> but but well inebriated. You're you're well lubricated, as we say. Particularly, see, I can still. I'm still okay. I right. say it. I say it just a little bit slower. You could hear mm-hmm. it's, it's a little yeah. Well, I just I, I want you I want you to know how golden we we think and know you are and it was uh, when we got back together to to do this um you were one of the first people we wanted uh, to touch base with. And Oh, that's kind. I love you guys and to be honest, I've had a few requests and I've just been kind of like, "Eh." But I any chance to hang out with you guys is is always pleasant. So, yeah, it's been a, it's been a good time. Thank you. Yeah. Well, take care, uh, man. Be safe. And, And, uh, you know, take care of everybody. And and hopefully uh, you and yours get through this unscathed as as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You too. You guys be careful up there. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. Love you, brother. You be good. And uh, and, uh, um, once again, Extraction hits Netflix on what's the date? April 24th. My wife's birthday. And if you're interested in all things... Andy, Andy Parks, Parks and Extraction. Uh, I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Now, don't Facebook friend me. I don't want that. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> and because my name is spelled funny, it's easy to find my Patreon account, which is free all this month, and then I'll turn it into a pay thing in May. It's just Andy with an E Parks. So you can find me easily. Yep, A-N-D-E Parks. So I'll be checking out the Patreon. I get a Great. It's like, you know, art, writing, both. We'll see. Both for ten bucks a month. What a fucking deal! I know it's it's like a Hulu membership. Yeah, still more than Disney Plus. I know I can't beat those bastards. <laughs> will you will you do will you do sketches of of Baby Yoda? I will. Yeah, I could see that okay. happening. I just did right, a Yoda, but I, I need to do that baby. Yeah. So you're Whoa, saying that your Patreon? <laughs> so you your do Patreon that, baby. is just a, it's just as good as Disney Plus then? I, I yeah okay. <laughs> After your third cocktail, right. you won't know the difference. <laughs> All right, but you have a good one. Love to the family and stay safe out there, okay? All right. Take care, brothers. Have a good one. All right. Hey. Thanks. Bye, bud. All right. All right. Uh, well, yeah, so we can wrap up here. Um, 
love Andy, one of our one of our absolute favorite people in the world. He was um, just a, a walk down uh, memory lane. He was what the first comfort creator that reached out to us. He actually left an iTunes review uh, way back in the day whenever was we first started the show. Yeah. Gosh, that's yeah, that's it's... funny. So Sal and I used to work uh, in an office, uh, same office together that was separated by a doorway. And I, I remember you coming in and saying, dude, Andy Parks just left us an iTunes review. <laughs> well, it was a weird thing, like, when we first started the idea that we were talking about comics and then all these guys that made comics were listening to us talk about comics, which was yeah. really weird and hard to to get over Initially, I remember us having conversations of like, well, we just have to be ourselves and just say what we're going to say and not think about it because there were, you know, there, all of a sudden there were a lot of guys that, because those guys would be at the drawing tables and need yeah. something to listen to. And so a comic book pa- podcast seemed to be the perfect thing to listen to. And uh, luckily we didn't, hopefully didn't piss off too many people. I don't know. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure we did <laughs> along the way, but that's, that's all part of it. And uh, but the, the nice thing, and, and at the time that community, you know, we were able to go to conventions and hang out and talk with a lot of these folks. And, you know, I, I was talking out of my ass I still do so to, to this day, but the amount that I learned about comics and the comics industry in that three or four years was 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 pretty amazing and, and and eye-opening it was because of guys like like andy parks it's like yeah well you may you know you said this and it's like here's kind of the real deal about that or this is the way that that works and so it was um it was a real education process for us it's uh you know not a lot of people remember podcasts back in 2005 2006 but we were all just fucking making it up as we as we went yeah, well, but we said that as much. I mean, I made a I made a point of always yeah, saying, oh, for "Listen, sure, for sure. we're not experts, we're not critics, we're just fans talking what yeah. you know what we think." And and yeah, I think you know, I think people always appreciate it. If funny enough, like the idea that of creators listening to our show, we, Tony Moore was listening to this broadcast of us and Andy. <laughs> he tuned in on Facebook <laughs> to listen. Oh, was he? Yeah. Nice. So it's yeah, just yeah. It's, uh, yeah, I, it, this is fun. I'm glad we, you know, getting to talk to these guys again is always yeah. a, a blast and, and such a good time. And, uh, you know, for whatever reason, it's, you know, it's just been such a big part of uh, our lives. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. And, oh, by the way, uh, Tom will be back. Tom is still part of the show. He's just, uh, uh, he has young children. <laughs> he does. <laughs> He's still yeah and he it's the the isolation quarantine is has has not been kind to him so tom will be back when 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 he's able to uh um kind of uh show up and and be able to focus on stuff so he's still part of the show before we cut out uh we did have a very nice listener email if you'd like me to to read that before Mm -hmm. we go yeah let me uh pull that up here real quick um and as always, I wanted to let people know you can contact us at info at aroundcomics.com. Um, we are on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can see all those uh, on the video feed. 
uh, the, I put them all on the uh, on the feed now, so you can see the links to all those. But you can go to our website aroundcomics.com, and all the links to all of our various social media places are there. Um, you can watch the, if you're listening to this podcast. Uh, we are doing this live video now, live streaming all these podcasts, and they're not the greatest video. I'm still working out the kinks, trying to get this to work worth a damn. But if you want to watch us do these, you can do that on our YouTube channel. So if you're face if, face faces for radio, yes. If you if you are watching this and you want to listen to us, obviously we we will release it as a podcast as well, audio only podcast, and you can uh, you can listen to that on iTunes and SoundCloud and all the places podcasts are so um all right to the email let's see here uh no that's not it wait a minute i grabbed the wrong email where is it uh oh here we go uh this is from greg and greg said keep doing stuff please that was the title of the email i said no (laughs) sir well greg i have good news for you (laughs) He goes on to say, no, seriously, I love you guys. I'm so fucking happy you are kind of, sort of, I'll take what I can get back. I can hardly stand it. I'm a fellow sort of old guy that just likes reading comics. Anyway, I love you, love the show, wish I could figure out who the hell that is on your theme music because it's an awesome tune. This is not important, Ah. but... Yeah, we can get into that, but... This is not important, but one of my most vivid memories from when I was a kid is I remember having a horrible fever of over a week, uh, and I was eventually hospitalized for some flavor of meningitis. About the only thing I recall from the time was the comics I was reading. This would have been late 70s, early 80s, maybe. I read Spider-Man that had some green goblin in there. I don't recall the details. But I also recall reading the Superman where he battled a prehistoric moa. As I stated previously, it was not important, but I feel the need to be on topic. I really, really, really hope you guys keep doing this, so don't quit again. I'm completely (laughs) well-adjusted, and I have a job and everything, but I just wanted to pass along that not much makes me happier than seeing there's a new episode. I could listen to you guys talk for hours, and it just lets me tune out all the other political crap and human tragedy, and I relax for a bit. I appreciate you. Keep up the good work. You guys are my favorite yeah. jackasses on the internet. Keep doing what you do, and get Tom a fucking babysitter already. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with all of that, and also with uh, Tom's greatest fear that someone's going to kidnap us and put us in a basement and just make us talk. <laughs> it does seem that way a little bit. They don't have to though. We're back. We're we're back, and we're talking. And, and I'm sure we're we'll get we'll good. get Tom. You don't on, have to but, kidnap us. But that was a very nice. I mean, it's it's. You know, I mean, we talked about this sort of, you know, doing this again. So hopefully we can maybe give people a little bit of respite from the the tragedy and all the the bad news and all the shitty stuff that's happening around the world. Uh, You know, if we can, you know, give people a break for a couple of hours, that's awesome and, and hopefully entertain. And that's all we've ever tried to do. You know, like we've never, there was never anything more to doing this than you know, talking and hopefully people dug it. And that was, you know, if there's, if there's, if there's 10 people out there that this makes their week of isolation that much easier to deal with, um, that's more than I could ask for. And that's, um, yeah. And honest to God, um, that's why we're doing it for ourselves. And I know that, that Tony and Andy, 
needed it. Uh, um, uh, Tony, we talked to Tony Moore earlier this week, and I saw him repost the episode, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I, you know, figured I'd be on for an hour, and you know, like seventy three hours later, uh, we're still <laughs> talking." So I get, I guess there was something therapeutic about it. So that's that's the whole that's the whole point. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, we we've always done this just because we like to talk to each other and you know if other people like to listen great we'll we'll uh there's no reason now there's no reason not to do it we got nothing else to do goddamn do we can't go yep. anywhere yep. <laughs> yeah well honestly i i spent like an hour today trying to figure out if i should like multi-class my D character or you know not <laughs> i spent hours it's, it's where we are Trying to figure out this video and audio, and I still can't quite get it right. I don't know. I don't know. But you'll whatever. get there. You'll get there. <laughs> All right, man. Is that uh, is that where we're at? I think that I think that's it. Um, when do you want to talk again? Because I actually have some comics to talk about. I don't know. Soon we can talk soon. Um, it's thir- It's Thursday. We'll figure Shall that we off here for uh, we'll Sunday. Figure, we'll, huh? we'll figure it out later. Let's do the outro. Okay. Well, okay. We'll, we'll, I mean, we'll we'll get together later, and in in the meantime, in between time, we'll be everywhere, be everywhere in and around comics. We can't get that right either.